Good morning, brothers and sisters. We extend a warm welcome to all of you who have joined us this, in church this morning to worship our triune God. We also extend a special welcome to all visitors who have joined us this morning and to those who are with us via the live stream. May we all be comforted and encouraged by the preaching of the gospel and may God be praised and glorified by our worship. Consist as the following announcements. Brother Caleb Poppy has requested an attestation to our sister church in Smithers, BC, Canada. We wish him God's blessings in his new congregation. This morning the worship service will be led by Brother Dembour. Before we commence the worship service, let us sing together Psalm 135, verse 10. Confess that our help is in the name of the Lord, who made heaven and earth. Amen. God greets you grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come, and from the seven spirits who are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of kings on earth. Amen. Let's sing together now from Psalm 1, verse 1. respect put ourselves under the discipline of the holy law of God test our lives on it as a rule of thankfulness God spoke all these words saying I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt of the house of slavery you shall have no other gods before me you shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth, you shall not bow down to them or serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. 
You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall, shall labour and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall do no work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them and rested the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honour your father and your mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbour. You shall not covet your neighbour's house. You shall not covet your neighbour's wife or his male servant or his female servant or his ox or his donkey or anything. That is your neighbours. Let's sing now from Psalm 130, verse 4. pray and ask the Lord for a blessing on this worship service. Our Father who is in heaven, we thank you, Lord, that we know you as our Father. We are privileged to be called your children, adopted through Jesus Christ, your Son, that we belong to you. We praise you, Lord, for you are in heaven. You are the almighty, sovereign God. Your name is to be hallowed and praised by us, to be held in absolute esteem and respect by us, to be praised throughout the world. We pray that we may do that this morning as we are here in your presence, that we truly honour your name, that we sing your praises with joy, that we call on your name humbly yet confidently, that we give our gifts cheerfully, that we submit to your word, that we listen, and that in all these things we do honour and respect, praise and glorify your name, for it alone is great. We do pray, Lord, that your kingdom will come, that you will destroy the works of the evil one and that we can continue to see throughout history in our own lives your kingdom coming, the fulfilment of your promises, the work of your son gathering, defending and preserving a people, a church for himself. Thank you that we too may belong to that church. We come now, Lord, and we also confess to you our sins. We ask you to wipe them away. Help us to examine ourselves against your law, which we just heard. To see and to know that we grieve you. 
that our sins offend your holy name. And we pray, Lord, that you wash us clean in your Son. And that you also renew us by your Spirit so that we can walk before you with a pure heart, a new heart, that we can do good. We pray, Lord, that you will now bless us here as we gather together, as we do that in your presence. We pray that you will bless your word as we open it together, that you yourself will speak to us. Help us to listen. We ask you to hear this prayer now in the name of Jesus Christ, your Son. Amen. Our Bible reading this morning is from two passages. First from Book of Psalms, Psalm 80. After that we will turn to John 15. Let's turn first to Psalm 80. Guess Bible, you can find that on page 581. Psalm 80 to the choir master, according to Lilies, a testimony of Asaph, a psalm. Give ear, O shepherd of Israel, you who lead Joseph like a flock. You who are enthroned upon the cherubim, shine forth before Ephraim and Manasseh, before Ephraim and Benjamin and Manasseh, stir up your might and come to save us. Restore us, O God, let your face shine that we may be saved. O Lord God of hosts, how long will you be angry with your people's prayers? You have fed them with the bread of tears and given them tears to drink in full measure. You make us an object of contention for our neighbours and our enemies laugh among themselves. Restore us, O God of hosts, let your face shine that we may be saved. You brought a vine out of Egypt, you drove out the nations and planted it. You cleared the ground for it, it took deep root and filled the land. The mountains were covered with its shade, the mighty cedars with its branches. It sent out its branches to the sea and it shoots to the river. Why then have you broken down its walls so that all who pass along the way pluck its fruit? The boar from the forest ravages it and all that move in the field feed on it. Turn again, O God of hosts, look down from heaven and see. Have regard for this vine, the stock that your right hand planted, and for the son whom you made strong for yourself. They have burned it with fire, they have cut it down. May they perish at the rebuke of your face. But let your hand be on the man of your right hand, the son of man whom you have made strong for yourself. Then we shall not turn back from you. Give us life and we will call upon your name. Restore us, O Lord God of hosts. Let your face shine that we may be saved. We turn then to the Gospel of John, chapter 15, which you can find on page 1071. Jesus has had the Last Supper with his disciples. Judas Iscariot has gone out. Jesus is speaking to the eleven. Hear his words in John 15. I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit he takes away and every branch that does bear fruit he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, 
you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all that I have made known, all that I have heard from my father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you, that you should go and bear fruit, that your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you, so that you will love one another. So far our scripture reading this morning. Let's sing now from Psalm 80, the verses 3, 4, six and seven.
sermon I'm reading to you this morning was by Reverend Esther Hart from our sister church in Melville. And the text is from John 15, verse 5. John 15, verse 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, the theme for the sermon this morning is a statement of the obvious. Grapes only come from branches that are joined to the vine. You don't need to have grown up in a vineyard and you don't need a degree in viticulture to know this to be true. Cut a branch off from the vine and leave it lying on the ground and you can be sure that you'll get no grapes from it. Rather, that branch will die, it will dry up. It will be gathered up and it will be burned. So our theme is a statement of the obvious. But there are two reasons why the obvious needs to be stated. In the first place, we need to remember that the branch could never produce grapes if it was not joined to the vine, since it gets its sustenance, its life, from the vine. And second, any branch that is in the vine can be expected to produce grapes, can be expected to bear much fruit. And what is true for grapes is true for us. Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. And so we hear God's word this morning under the following theme. Grapes only come from branches that are joined to the vine. And we'll see two things. We'll see life in the vine and fruit through the vine. As you read through the Gospel of John, you'll come across a number of I am statements that the Lord Jesus made. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the door. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth and the life. And as you meditate on these I am statements of the Lord Jesus, you'll also learn the significance of these statements was not just in Jesus calling himself bread or light or door, but there was also great significance in the words I am. Those words, I am, as found in the Greek New Testament, in the somewhat unusual phrase, ego imi, have great significance in the context of the rest of the Bible. In the Old Testament, the personal, covenantal name of the Lord was Yahweh, simply translated as Lord, with capital letters in our Bibles. And that comes from the Hebrew word for I am. See this when Moses was at the burning bush in Exodus 3 and asked God, What is your name? And at that time the Lord told him, I am who I am. And he said, Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am sent me to you. Exodus 3.14. And so when Jesus referred to himself as I am by using the words ego imi, he was implying that he himself is God. We might not have picked that up immediately, but the Jewish people in the day understood it 
And it made them so angry that in John 8, they took up stones to kill him. So as we go through these I am statements of the Lord Jesus Christ, we learn the significance of the fact that he is God. And we also learn that Christ, the Son of God, has things to say about himself. But that's not all we do, because when Jesus spoke of himself saying, I am the bread of life, or I am the light of the world, he also calls us to believe him and to follow him as the bread or the light or the way, the truth and the life. In other words, when we are confronted with the question, who is Jesus? We are also confronted with the question, what will you do with Jesus? You need to understand that Jesus did not simply tell us who he is so that we could say, that's interesting, and then go on as before. Nor did he simply describe himself as a good man with good morals for us to follow so that we might live a better life. Rather, Jesus' claims as to who he is need to be believed so that we might come to him, that we might believe in him, that we might follow him. And when you do that, there is a change that the Holy Spirit works in your life and in your heart. When you do that, you are no longer living outside of Christ, but now you live in Christ. You are joined to him. Or as John 15 has it in the New King James Version, you abide in him. And that is what is emphasised in the last of these I am statements of the Lord Jesus in the Gospel according to John. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. When the Lord referred to himself as the vine... He was using a metaphor and illustration that everybody understood. Grapevines were and are a common sight in and around Israel. And so the picture was clear. Jesus is the vine, the trunk, that provides life to the branches. The branches that are joined to the vine receive their sustenance from the vine. And so in time they put forth leaves and fruit. But a grapevine needs a lot of attention. So the vine dresser tended to the vine, pruning and clearing away anything that might cause disease in the vine, and doing all he could to ensure that the branches of the vine would produce large clusters of delicious grapes. But not all branches would be kept. Some branches, those that would not produce fruit, would be cut off from the vine. These branches were then bundled together, thrown into a pile, and once they were dry, burned. That's the picture that Christ gave his disciples when he said, I am the vine, you are the branches. However, the disciples would not only have known the imagery of a vine from what they saw in Israel, they also knew it from the Old Testament. On a number of times in the Old Testament, in the Psalms, in Isaiah, Jeremiah, in Ezekiel, and in Hosea, the imagery of a vine is used to describe the people of Israel. But what's striking about when the Old Testament describes the people of Israel as a vine, that it consistently describes them as a vine that does not bear good fruit, as a vine that produced wild grapes, as a vine that needed to be ripped out and thrown away. To see an example of this, turn with me to Isaiah chapter 5. 
We just read the first section of that chapter together, Isaiah 5 from verse 1. Let me sing for my beloved my love song concerning his vineyard. My beloved had a vineyard on a very fertile hill. He dug it and cleared it of stones and planted it with choice vines. He built a watchtower in the midst of it and hewed out a wine vat in it. And he looked for it to yield grapes, but it yielded wild grapes. And now, O inhabitants of Jerusalem and men of Judah, judge between me and my vineyard. What more was there to do for my vineyard that I had not done in it? When I looked for it to yield grapes, why did it yield wild grapes? And now I will tell you what I will do to my vineyard. I will remove its hedge and it shall be devoured. I will break down its wall and it shall be trampled down. I will make it a waste. It shall not be pruned or hoed and briars and thorns shall grow up. I will also command the clouds that they rain no rain upon it. For the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel, and the men of Judah are his pleasant planting. And he looked for justice, but behold, bloodshed. For righteousness, but behold, an outcry. So far, Isaiah 5. Here in Isaiah 5, God's people, Israel, was the fine from which the Lord expected good grapes. But when God went to look for those good grapes, he only found wild ones. And so the vine would be laid to waste. We find something similar to this in Psalm 80, which we read. Psalm 80 describes Israel as a vine that God had brought out of Egypt. Psalm 80, from verse 8, says, You brought a vine out of Egypt, you drove out the nations and planted it, you cleared the ground for it, and it took deep root and filled the land. The mountains were covered with its shade, the mighty cedars with its branches. It sent out its branches to the sea and its shoots to the river. And so God had set his people Israel like a vine in the land. But here too, the vine was not good. And so the grapes that could be expected from it did not eventuate. And so the psalm goes on to say that God had turned away from the vineyard, had broken down her hedges, the nations had plucked her fruit, and the wild beasts devoured it. Since the vine that is Israel turned their back on God and did not bear the fruit that he expected of them, they were punished. But the psalm does not end there. For Psalm 80 is a plea for deliverance. If we look at verses 14 and 15. Turn again, O God of hosts. Look down from heaven and see. Have regard for this vine the stock that your right hand planted, and for the son whom you made strong for yourself. And then see verse 17. But let your hand be on the man of your right hand, the son of man who you have made strong for yourself. Then we shall not turn back from you, give us life, and we will call on your name. Restore us, O Lord God of hosts. Let your face shine that we may be saved. Psalm 80 pleads for a deliverer, a saviour to come, the man of God's right hand, that is, the son of man. Perhaps those who first sang this psalm were thinking of their king or some other temporary saviour whom they were pleading for God to send to restore them. But ultimately, this plea for a saviour would be answered in the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. It would be through Jesus that God's people would be saved. It would be through Jesus that the vine would be restored. And that's why it is so instructive to read Psalm 80 next to John chapter 15. But then when we turn to John 15 verse 1, there is one thing that strikes us. Because now in John 15, 
The vine is not the nation of Israel. The vine is Jesus himself. And even more, he calls himself the true vine. Verse 1, I am the true vine. My father is the vine dresser. Do you see what's happening here? Do you see what the Lord Jesus is doing in calling himself the vine? What the Lord Jesus is saying is that there is no Israel. There is no covenant people of God outside of himself. If you are to belong to God the Father, you can only do so by belonging to and being joined to God the Son. Life is to be found in the vine, and that vine is Christ. A branch that is in Christ will have life and will bear fruit. But a branch that is not in him cannot bear fruit. It will be thrown on the fire and be burned. And therefore, when the Lord Jesus calls himself the vine and even the true vine... That is not simply an interesting description of who he is. Rather, you are called to be joined to this vine, to find your life in him, to remain in him, to abide in him. And that's why Christ emphasizes again and again that we need to abide in him. Verse 4, abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, Unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. The same can be seen in verses 6 and 7. In fact, Christ repeats the words, in me... Six times in John 15, verse 2 to 7. The point is that you cannot simply hear about the Lord Jesus Christ, ignore him and go on your way as before. You cannot take on board some of the nice things the Lord Jesus said. Even call yourself a Christian, but not be effectively changed. Rather, when Jesus says that he is the vine, he calls you to believe in him. He calls you to be joined to him. He calls you to abide in him. For he, and he alone, is the true vine. And it is in that way, when you abide in him, that you will bear fruit. That brings us to our second point. Fruit through the vine. In the Old Testament, the covenant people of Israel were described as a vine that the Lord had planted in the promised land. God had planted this vine, God had tended this vine, and he the vine dresser, expected to see fruit on this vine. He expected his people to love him. He expected his people to serve him and to be faithful to him. Instead, however, the grapes that the vine produced were wild grapes and the vine was useless. And so God, the vine dresser, rejected the vine. He broke down her hedges and her walls and allowed the wild beasts to uproot and devour it. But that would not be the end of the vine. That would not be the end of God's covenant people. Rather, the prayer of Psalm 80 would be answered. The Son of Man would come. The vine would be restored, and God's people would be saved. And all this would happen through the coming of the true vine, Jesus Christ. And all those who believed in him and were joined to him would have life in him and they would bear fruit. But to bear fruit, you need to belong to Christ. 
You need to believe in him and you need to abide in him. And if you do not belong to Christ, if you do not believe in him, then you cannot abide in him either. And that is a fearful thing to contemplate. Jesus said in verse 6, If anyone does not abide in me, he's cast out as a branch and withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. That is a serious consequence of those who do not believe in the Lord Jesus, who are not in him, who do not receive him as their Lord and Saviour. God's punishment is real and hell is real. And when the Lord Jesus said these things to his disciples in John 15, this was not a hypothetical situation for them. Just a short time, less than a few hours before, one of the twelve, Judas Iscariot, had left them. Judas Iscariot was a branch that was cast out, that would soon be thrown onto a pile and burned. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. But those who do believe in him, those who do abide in Jesus Christ, will receive in him all that is necessary to live a godly life. Every branch that is joined to the vine receives what is in the vine. And because Christ is the true vine, every branch that belongs to in that vine, will bear much fruit. Outside of the vine, you can do nothing. You are like a piece of dead wood, a stick, to be gathered up and thrown on the fire. But in the vine, in Christ, you are a new person, a new creation, and you will be very fruitful. So my question for you is this. Are you bearing fruit for Christ? If you believe in him, if you abide in him, how is this evident in the way that you are living for him? It's true that good works never saved anybody. It's true that you cannot save yourself that salvation comes through the Lord Jesus Christ, through his suffering, through his death on the cross. It is true that you can add nothing to your salvation, nor can you do anything in and of yourself to earn God's favour, that he might look to you. It is true, as Jesus says in John 15 verse 5, that apart from me, you can do nothing. But it is equally true that we are saved to do good works. And it is equally true that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And so I ask you, are you bearing fruit for Christ? Is it your heart's desire to live for him, to serve him? to follow him, to glorify and to praise him? Or have you become lazy, even lethargic in your walk with God? If you are truly in the vine, if you are truly in Christ, then you will be changed and you will want to change. You cannot be joined to the vine and then carry on as if nothing had happened. Rather, to be a Christian, to be grafted into Christ by true faith, to be joined to the vine and to live from the vine is a most radical thing. And if the fact that you are a Christian has not changed you and is not changing you, then you need to examine yourself as to whether or not you truly believe what it means to be a part of the vine. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, Therefore, 
If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And that must be true for every person who is joined to the true vine, who is Jesus Christ. So how is it with you? How are you growing in the vine that is Christ? And where are the grapes? Are you perhaps in danger of becoming a couch potato Christian? Are you in danger of becoming lazy in your desire to bear fruit? Have you crowded out your service to the Lord with a life that is busy with yourself, with work, with family, with diet, with exercise? Are you satisfied to set the bar low and to keep it low, taking ease in Zion, going with the flow, but not giving much thought to the idea of bearing fruit? You cannot be a couch potato Christian. You cannot be a Christian, but live as though you were not one. John 15, verse 1 and 2. I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. He prunes us, he moulds us and he shapes us, he chastens us and he disciplines us. He does this because the vine dresser is determined that the branches of his vine produce more fruit. And so how is it with you? Are you bearing fruit? Are you eager to bear more fruit as you live for Christ? By this my Father is glorified, Christ said in verse 8, that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. Are you doing that? Are you bearing much fruit? What is keeping you from bearing much fruit? Is it busyness, being consumed with the wrong things? Have you crowded out your times to study God's word? Have your prayers become shallow? Is it that you are consumed with yourself, your wants, your own desires, your own feelings, rather than a desire for Christ? Are you trapped in your sin? Are you consumed by lust, in the snare of pornography, or trapped in another addictive behaviour? Or has your love for one another grown cold? Or do you harbour envy and resentment in your heart Dear God, forgive me. Dear God, forgive me for not bearing the fruit you require of me. Forgive me for my sin, for my slackness, for my double-mindedness, and for failing to live as I ought. Come, O vine dresser, strip away that which is harmful to me and prune me even to the hurt that I might be cleansed, that I might be chastened, and that I might live for you. It is a battle to bear the fruit that God requires of us. It is hard to discipline ourselves that we might grow in Christ and in good works. In Christ, there is a love and delight to do good works, the desires of the flesh still battle within us. And so what are we to do 
How then can we bear the fruit that God requires of us? Abide in me, Jesus said, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Verse 4. That's the answer. Abide in him. Go to him. Worship him and follow him. Come to church. Pray earnestly. Study his word. Keep his commandments and remove every last thing that keeps you away from him. Grapes only come from branches that are joined to the vine. So be joined to the vine. Abide in him and he will abide in you. Amen. Turn to a book of praise. Let's sing from Psalm 92, verses 6 and 7. this morning we will mention our brother Wally Tenhoff who has come out of hospital, still receiving continued care but not in the hospital anymore. We can be thankful with him. Also thankful with our missionary, our brother and sister David and Erica Pohl who received his son Liam Cornelius on Thursday afternoon and all is well. We also will give thanks that Tomorrow, our, our family Erica and Margaret's heart look forward to celebrating their 35th wedding anniversary. On Tuesday, Matt and Sandra Scoof look forward to their 25th wedding anniversary. Let's pray. Merciful Lord, we come humbly before you to confess that we don't always bear good fruit. That we desperately need to abide in Jesus Christ, the true vine. And we know this, Lord. We know that in him is life. We know that in him and through him we can bear good fruit. We can live lives that are pleasing to you through him alone. We thank you, Lord, that our salvation does not depend on this. It depends on Jesus Christ only. We know how how short we fall. We confess to you now, Lord, that 
We need you desperately. We need your help. We need your spirit to give us a new heart so that we can and we do abide in you. That our life does bear fruit, good fruit, much good fruit. Help us with this. Help us to be busy with this every day, every moment. Also today, a day set aside to worship you, to meet with you in communion with your people. Thank you, Lord, for this good gift. Help us to use this gift wisely. To use the gift of your word that you speak to us. Help us to listen to you, to spend time with you, to call on your name sincerely, continually throughout our life, every day of the week seeking you and to bear fruit for you. In thankfulness for what you have done for us, you've paid the price already for our sin. Thank you, Lord, from the bottom of our heart. Thank you for your continued care over our congregation. Thank you with Brother Wally Tanaf that he could come out of hospital. Lord, he, he still needs care. He still needs to be assisted. And we pray that you are near to him, especially that he may know that he is your child, that he is safe with you. This morning we also thank you with our missionary brother David Pohl and his wife Erica who received a healthy boy from your hand. We pray that you will bless them as a family, bless them in their work there, working in a foreign culture, a different place, proclaiming your word, your gospel. We pray that they have strength, they have comfort, they have all they need in that task, that they can do it faithfully. And that many people will hear your word and will know that you are God. Thank you also with those who look forward to a special anniversary. We thank you for the years that you've given Eric McGreeder and Matt and Sandra together. We pray that you will continue to bless their marriages. That they are also, their celebrations are focused on giving you thanks and praise. For we know that you are the one who blesses your people. Lord, we also thank you that Reverend Poppy can be back in our midst and his family. We pray that you will bless him as he takes up his task amongst the congregation again. Give him wisdom, especially as he opens your word for us. Give him insight that he may boldly preach the good news that he may also exhort and encourage us with your words. Lord, we also pray for Brother Caleb, who is leaving us very soon. Bless his travel, bless his time in Canada. Also, his plans to go to the theological seminary there. And this too will receive your blessing. Be with all the students there, Lord, that they may be prepared for a work amongst your people. Lord, we pray that you will continue to bless us this day, bless us as we gather for worship again, as we joyfully sing your praises, and as we listen humbly to your word. We ask you to hear our prayer and to bless us because of Jesus Christ alone, the true vine. Amen. You are now given the opportunity to give your gifts for the Canadian Reformed Theological Seminary. After that, we will rise and sing Psalm 1, verses 2 and 3.
Lift up your hearts unto God, receive the blessing of the Lord, and go in peace. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.